Hello. Hey, how's it going? Ah, that's what I need to do. Sorry, just need to change my sound settings. That one. Okay, hello. Hello. How's it sounding? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Okay. Not bad cool. for going all the way under the Atlantic Ocean. Where apparently Google's uh, high, high, like high capacity data transport sharks are being attacked by sharks frequently. Really? Apparently so. There is because of like electrosensitivity or something. I assume so that the sharks are like ah, it's like needles in my brain and attack the data wires. Gosh. Maybe uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it isn't just disrupting them. Maybe it's because they're so electrically sensitive that they're just picking up the entirety of the information that is being transported along them. Of all the animals you wouldn't want. (laughs) Sharks just writhing at the bottom of the ocean being like, there's so many cat pictures. Ah, Kill. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the content of kind of social media and the amount of kind of hatred spewed online. (laughs) Just like, I am an emotionless killer and I am better than these people. (laughs) Head to r slash PUA. Hooray! <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't, like, that's not just, like, the worst of the internet. That's the worst of the worst of the internet. <laughs> Turns out 4chan is mainly populated by psychic sharks. <laughs> uh, why psychic? Explain, well, ex- uh, I don't know, explains a lot. It does um, explain a lot. How is things? How is job and stuff? I got the job application in as of about six o'clock this evening. Nice. Very good. And then after I'd sent it in, I reread it all just to reassure myself that although I had checked it, I definitely hadn't put in any stupid grammar errors. And? I definitely hadn't put in any stupid grammar errors, which is relieving. And I suddenly became really paranoid. I'm like, why didn't I become really paranoid before submitting and check it line by line? Like, I checked it before submitting, but I didn't go through and check everything. That's an interesting psychological phenomenon, right? Isn't there. it? Yeah. Once you commit. Post submission paranoia. Post commitment to paranoia, yeah. Anyway, these are the sort of ramblings yeah. that some people would choose to listen to. <laughs> well, I assume your call graph is running, so. Ah. <laughs> uh, right. Um... <laughs> so. So. Um. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do, is just be like, no, no, the show has the show has started. Yeah. Greetings from America. Hello to all our listeners and to any sharks that may be biting on this cable. Gosh. I feel bad about mentioning the job now. What if I don't get it? <laughs> <laughs> all our listeners will be so crushed. Um, yeah. We, we, we <laughs> greet all our sharks, literal and metaphorical. Um... Uh- yeah. yeah, this is what the show could be like if we didn't commit to a high standard of focus oh, and excellence. <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. I am in America, which is why I'm not contributing to the psychology this week, because I'm too busy going to baseball games and playing laser tag. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're deciding to follow the kind of Barney Stinson path of life. Oh, yeah. Although I don't know if he was a big baseball fan, but... uh, I I don't recall them going to a baseball game, but there are a lot of episodes. Um, Whereas I guess I'm uh, following the Robin Shabotsky route. 
of being a news anchor? Of focusing on my career. Oh, I see. <laughs> sure. I'm not accusing uh, you of not focusing on your career. I mean, I've tried not to. <laughs> I find. I Is that find how you write a thesis? You let your eyes like wander, so you have no focus, and you're like, "Aha! Similar. The data! It makes sense at last." Writing a thesis is very similar to Douglas Adams' view of how one flies. <laughs> The important thing is to be able to throw yourself at the ground and not mind that it's going to hurt. It's like the, the, the important thing about a thesis is to be able to throw yourself at a blank Word document and not mind that it's going to break you. Okay. I thought you the also had to get dis- forget. There was this element of forgetting. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, this is why I, I constantly watch YouTube videos as I'm starting doing my thesis work, because I have to distract myself at the last moment. Okay. How is that strategy working for you? Because, I mean, I only know little bits about switching attention rapidly, but I seem to remember (laughs) that that is less effective than doing, like, half-hour blocks of watching YouTube videos and writing a thesis. Well, I haven't written any of my thesis yet, so I guess it's probably going very well. (laughs) So long as you alter your objectives ever so slightly. Absolutely. It only requires the changing of a single word. Um, yeah, so, so well, uh, greetings uh, from America, Skype calls from America. It's, it's lovely here, as always. Hopefully this, this will be more successful than our previous attempt at a transatlantic podcast segment. Well, essentially what we're doing is we're closing all of the, the wounds and the loops <laughs> from the show. Like, this is a... Are there any running jokes that you feel need to be tied off or characters who need to kind of die or otherwise get their redemption? Um, I think so. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm current. I'm happy with our current stable of characters and running jokes. Because yeah. the, think... the other thing I'm quite happy about is that in two weeks' time, it will be our 100th episode. And that will pretty much hit the third anniversary of the show. That's nice. That's yeah, very nice. it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um it's impressive that we've managed through a very consistent level of negligence and poor planning to be able to average like 33.3 recurring episodes per year. Yeah. Yeah. Although if you look um, at that graph, I think that the, the decline. Spike... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, it is very positively skewed. Mm. Uh, so yeah. Um, would you like any feedback then? Have we had any feedback, Tim? We've actually had quite a substantial amount of feedback. Oh, cool. Tell me some feedback. Um, So uh, my colleague Imogen, who listens to the show, was telling me in real life the other day, uh, she she is listening to the whole archive in order. I don't know anyone else who's done that, who's joined the show at quite a late stage. You're a braver man than I, Imogen. (laughs) Gungamid. Never mind. <laughs> uh, Gungan City Uta Gunga? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Oh, if if anyone cared about Gungans and they were actually decent, I'm sure someone would have got a Gungan Din thing going. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and she had got a little bit confused about one of the episodes, which I'm sure you won't remember. I remembered when she told me that... Uh, I think it might have even been something I selected as a media of the week to complain about an advert <laughs> in which Robert right. Webb appeared to support Compare the Market playing the, like, rivals to 
um, I want to say that I know his surname as well, Alexander the Meerkat. I was going to say Alexander Orlov, but that may just be like a disgraced Russian no, oligarch. I, I think it is Alexander Orlov. Okay. I believe. Why is it but not Now that you said disgraced Russian oligarch, now I'm con- concerned that may be right. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember the discussion because I, I, I think it possibly related to me saying that Robert Webb pipped a friend of mine to that job. Uh, ah, w- w- was that was that member of the Beta Males, John Henry Fallon? That was member of the Beta Males, John Henry Fallon. Now known uh, why far and wide as the Story Beast. Go see his Edinburgh show. Uh, yeah. Also, they've got a uh, they've got a um... a YouTube video of the Kings. Oh no! I was going to say they've, there's a huge sketch charity cancer show coming up on which they are like fronting the bill but it's literally every sketch group you can think of uh you know the beta males uh clever peter pappies uh sheeps just tons so oh jigsaw so yeah the beta males doing good near the top of that bill um alexander orlov let's let me go through alexander orlov or alexander orlov may refer to a russian opera conductor a russian artist the ambassador to the Rus- of the russian federation to france Soviet espionage administrator, contemporary Russian historian, Russian athlete, and an anthropomorphic meerkat from the Compare the Meerkat advertising campaign. <laughs> oh, and uh, an auspicious collection of individuals right there. Yes. But anyway, the thing that Imogen got confused about was that we had suggested that uh, the role in question was, in fact, the voice of the meerkat. And as far as we know, Robert Webb doesn't secretly do that. No, not to the best of our knowledge. It's actually Marlon Brando, but he's uncredited. <laughs> you know yeah. how, oh, I was going to say, you know how Robin Williams, gosh, I wasn't even saying that because of what's happened. Um, but they say about Robin Williams that he recorded like 50 hours of dialogue for the genie in Aladdin. Yeah. And then when you're a little bit grown up, they tell you that the reason that happened was cocaine. Um <laughs> But basically, that's what happened. Marlon Brando, um, in the kind of before, like when he was off the radar a bit getting fat, basically spent time as a Russian meerkat, because obviously, you know, one of the kings of method acting and recorded, you know, just reels and reels and reels of like, you know, all of this like low grade tape. And that's what that's what they use now. Huh. On the subject of anthropomorphic animals, there's uh, I've been getting uh, American adverts on my YouTube videos oh, this week. And uh, I have actually, kind of despite myself, been quite enjoying the Geico ads, which include... They are good. Max- Maxwell, the, uh, the, anim- the uh, anim- anthropomorphic pig, um, who, yeah, there's something about him that's just very pleasing. I like his little voice, despite the fact that he's really irritating. Yeah. When I used to be able to watch Hulu, um, slash when I had to watch Hulu because I couldn't get the Daily Show from the Daily Show site... I saw a lot of Geico adverts. They have like a million different adverts. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, something I'm really happy about because adverts are boring. But literally, they've like like just gone to like 10 different ad companies and say, like, sell us, sell us, you know, this thing. And then just put <laughs> all of them on TV. But give us something with a very tenuous rela- connection to Geico that has the word Geico in it. But at a some really, point. a really, and yet has nothing to do with the tagline. But I know that tagline off by heart. Is that fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more? It's very, it's very neat. 
they are they are dangerous or diabolical people because I bet they're not the best insurance company. <laughs> Probably not, but they do have a pig. Yes, uh, a pig well, with I a driving license. I hope that clears license. everything up for you, Imogen. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, that should have dealt with all of your queries. <laughs> yes, but I'd just like to say, I mean, if you started in the present and uh, are working through the archive, just just well done. Thank you. It means yeah. a lot to us. Um, and when in three years' time you listen to this episode and think, gosh, wow, there it was. You what know, I, the, the what goths I would at the gates. If anyone... <laughs> I would suggest if anyone was thinking of doing that, listen to one of our more recent, most recent episodes. And basically that is the level of quality that you will be trending towards <laughs> when you start episode one. Episode one, like the early episodes are, are of a much lower quality than we provide now, but you need to know if you're going to start at the beginning, that the end point of quality is something that you will be happy to have reached. So you, if, you do think it's a... the quality of the current episode is not good enough, then there's no point starting back at the beginning because it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, we're, we're not like Franz Ferdinand. We got all our ideas out there and have never replicated that success. No, we have, we have if anything, plateaued heavily. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is, do you really think that we keep ascending? Um, at least you're saying that oh, if we but... peaked, then we plateaued. Like, that's fine, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But there will be a period during listening to the archive where it will seem like we're on an upwards trajectory. And it's important to know what the end point of that trajectory is. I have always wondered where that, where the elbow point is, though, you know, like the opposite of the screen. Yeah. You know, I've always wondered, like, where, where what is the episode where you're like, oh, this is, this is the standard. This uh, is, yeah. But I don't really have like 150 hours time to listen to stuff. I have <laughs> already heard. Also, I said it. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Imogen. Good luck. And um, uh, contact Tim for some detail. Well, actually, you, you work in mental health, so you should be pretty... Uh, just just keep an eye on things. <laughs> okay, next feedback. Okay, um, so we had some feedback on the Facebook page. Uh, yeah, having exhausted the very rare face-to-face -face feedback option, Facebook page is a lot more convenient for a lot of our listeners. Uh, Sam uh, kind of gave us more information that was very much not illuminating on the case of the person who went to jail for messing with their stats um and they said the defendant slash executive was of house harkonnen so i guess manipulating the results of a pharmaceutical study is pretty harmless compared to what his family did on arrakis now i don't know if this person is literally called harkonnen i don't know if people in harkonnen have real names or if this is a joke about the kind of the similarities between pharmaceutical companies and people who want to control the spice trade. Um, I have no yeah, idea. I feel, yeah, I, I feel like we, we may be being elegantly trolled here, but I'm enjoying it. So do continue <laughs> sending us cryptic messages full of Dune references. Well, the thing that kind of suggests that Sam is not a troll is that he also said about the hurricane study... Uh, that it fits this mm. episode, i.e. episode 99, perfectly because the storms with the more feminine names also caused more property damage. So if the author's theory holds, the buildings must have been less afraid of the feminine-sounding hurricanes as well. Uh, <laughs> so, like, 
did they officially call Sandy nine out of ten, nine out of eleven uh, feminine, or was that just a judgment you made? I uh, it, the example I gave was not based on something specifically from the article, so okay. I don't know. Because I think I was conscious of time when I didn't say. Whenever I think of someone called Sandy, the first person I think of is Sandy Cohen from the OC, who is man. Okay. Um, the only person, first person I think of is Sandy Toxvig. Okay, who, yes, who is woman? I don't know where that falls. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm just saying I don't know where that falls. I'm not saying I think it should fall. That, that's like the opposite of controversial. Um, <laughs> what I would say about the property it, damage... And, and she famously the, supported uh, the Liberal Democrats, so that really is quite fitting. <laughs> well, good. Um, the, what I would say about the property damage thing is, like, the there the author's hypothesis was that people take fewer precautions for female name storms. And it seems consistent that if they take fewer precautions, then they might suffer more property damage because precautions could be things like putting out sandbags. I don't know. I don't know what precautions one takes for a hurricane. I've never been in one yet. Um, but I am perfectly prepared to uh, conceive of the fact that the study wasn't actually all that rigorous um, I just didn't bother to get round to applying the old uh, the old experimental rigor in my critique of it because I just thought it was funny. Yeah, I mean, I prefer Sam's alternative that the buildings are also anthropomorphic, have intentions, well, yeah, and show and sexism. The, I mean, that that is the preferable. I mean, you know, a lot of those buildings are going to be of an age when you know sexism was was more you know more the norm. Yeah. You know, we've seen maybe, houses yeah, that look like Hitler. Modern housing. I imagine you'd find that more modern housing developments would suffer less from less damage from hurricanes. Thus proving so, they're less sexist. Thus proving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Proving then. Proving. Proving. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So final bit of feedback is not especially timely, and that is my fault. Uh, so uh, you might have recall our Twitter, uh, not so much feud as challenge uh, to play... Uh, civilization against the red pages podcast okay yeah, vaguely yes back when you know remember that month when we were into civ and did literally nothing else yeah also fun. funnily enough the month it was out in the humble bundle <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> yes i know um well no that is still true but it was that was the reason i got it and thus you got <laughs> back it the point is um they talked about uh, that challenge on their podcast. But unfortunately, I started listening to that podcast episode where they were doing that. And um, they started giving talking about House of Cards Season 2. So I had to wait until I'd finally watched all of House of Cards to only find out they don't really give away any spoilers. So I could listen through to the bit where they talk about challenging us. Apparently, they weren't in earnest challenging us until we in earnest accepted their challenge. <laughs> I wonder how many challenges in the history of challenges have followed a similar pattern. Oh, I challenge you to a duel. All right, pistols at dawn. Oh, no. My sarcasm <laughs> has gotten me killed again. Because uh, apparently yeah. this person keeps getting reincarnated. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and sarcasm person... is one of the traits that carries over when you are reincarnated. <laughs> I mean, that sounds plausible. <laughs> as plausible as anything else. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have a low threshold for plausibility. That's what, you know, if you're a fiction writer, it's just like, well, does it have some minor sense of internal consistency? Black supremacist um, millpunk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've nearly finished that book and it's going to be a great success. Have you? Oh, good. I look forward to it. I say nearly finished. I'm about two thirds of the way through. Um, it's going well. It's 
you can see some of the influences of me reading the Hunger Games on it a little bit, but I like to think it does take that off in another direction. It's a very classic kind of coming-of-age story, classic hero's journey. Um, cool. I look forward to it. Until halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns into utterly impenetrable poli- uh, political diatribe. What it actually turns out to be is almost identical to the plot of the Star Wars book I wanted to write, except without force powers. I did not realise this until I'd written two-thirds of this novel. I'm just like, damn, this is genuinely the Star Wars book I plotted out um, as what my pitch would be, just with, like, swords and a, like, post-apocalyptic future instead of Jedi. I was like, wow. I, I, see, I wouldn't see that as a problem because I, I would imagine, actually, that if, if when pitching to the people who control the Star Wars IP, if you're able to say, I'm going to write almost literally this book, which is currently successful, but with Star Wars characters... I'd probably be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, like, I think Matthew Stover pitched one of his books. It's like, it is uh, Apocalypse Now, but in Star Wars. And they're like, sold. Exactly. Um, yes. Um, so, yeah. the So, yeah. Red Pages suggested the stakes should be that the losers have to guest on the winner's podcast. Um, and also they want Challenge to... accepted. <laughs> yeah, maybe not Civilization V, because I don't think any of us have enough time to play a game of Civilization V with, like three other people uh, who live in like america canada and japan um like that time zones does not work but if we could find some multiplayer game that was a little shorter i think that challenge would be good also they are like games developers or something anyway they know a lot about games so i'd worry we would definitely lose so that's fine we could go and go on their show and talk about video games. i think we are yeah we're gaming i i don't know about you tim but i am i'm in this to lose <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not that sort you know you know what I'm like I'm not that competitive um, yes, apart from right. that one time uh, yes that we don't talk I about it shall not speak <laughs> anyway so yeah that's that's all the feedback I had I don't suppose <laughs> oh actually no that's not true my girlfriend sent me some feedback about an hour ago um, and she said on that, the podcast uh, right yeah yes <laughs> um and yeah, she said that she was loving the last episode of the podcast. I mean, possibly for its, possibly just because it references her on a couple of occasions. I don't know. Maybe she likes that. I would say she would find it weird on the basis that most people do. <laughs> They're not the Fun people like me who has their like yeah. audio scrapbook of all the times <laughs> they've appeared on podcasts, uh, <laughs> which I do have. That's that's adorable. Um, yeah. yeah, awesome. Good. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, Lizzie. May may the enjoyment continue. Uh, yeah. Also. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, moving on. What has been occupying the majority of your brain this week? I've written down one word, Ben. I've written down one word. I imagine you might have a bit more to say. Um, What's your one word? My one word. Is it? X-Wing Miniatures announces new faction. No, it is not. Oh, Ben, come on. We spent so much of the last episode talking about this. What faction have they announced? Is it Black Sun? It's Scum and Villainy. So basically, yes. Black Sun. Black Sun and... Yes. Zan Consulting. They've they've redone Bubba Fett. And this is the best thing about it. When Bubba Fett originally came out, everyone was really disappointed because he wasn't that great. So they redid him to make him cool, which parallels wonderfully with... Boba Fett in the original trilogy, like, 
exploding and getting eaten by a sarlacc and then being redone in the prequels to actually be awesome okay yeah or the expanded universe where it's just like of course he didn't die and now he's in charge of all the mandalorians um yeah incidentally i I noticed you're pronouncing him as uh bubba fett it's like is this the like original version where he had like a deep south accent and loved shrimp i i would say not bubba but like bubba i think i say boba but i think it's like boba boba fett probably Bubba. Bubba. Yeah. Um, right. But not, cool. neither of us speak was, Mandalorian, so, you know. No. What was your what, one, one? My one word was you? bake. Um, ah. You got absolutely stoned? <laughs> I can't disclose that. Um, <laughs> I, I literally have not got the capability to disclose that. <laughs> I am way too stoned to answer that question. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no. I, I cooked a very special cake, but not like that. Uh, I cooked a birthday cake uh, for my girlfriend. Um, I know, I yeah, I know the show will increase, you know, just I'm literally doing that this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I noticed the kind of parallels of our, our girlfriends having similar dated birthdays and just being like, right, so, you know, we've both been like, yeah, cakes. You cakes. know, I, yeah, cakes but no, baking, baking for someone is an incredibly remarkable thing for me to do because cooking makes me very stressed and cooking for someone else and very little for myself like i've had one slice of that cake it was pretty nice but essentially cooking for my girlfriend and her housemates and her parents that's a bit uh scary but it all went really well excellent did did she have a good birthday yes yes uh we we had a picnic uh in a forest and then yeah there was cake uh, and I got some gifts, uh, and yeah, then her parents came up, and I met them for the first time. So that was interesting, uh, in a good way. Gosh, it was nice. Big news, yeah. Well, exciting stuff. Yes, I. You know, obviously, you don't want to talk too much about your kind of personal life on the show unless it's very trivial stuff. But those are things that have <laughs> happened and have thus occupied majority of my brain this week otherwise well I, I, I mentioned the job application gosh i really am just like laying it bare has anything else like <laughs> happened to me that i probably normally wouldn't have mentioned on the podcast um <laughs> the only things i can think of are kind of horror no i'm joking just uh, gonna let that one rest there for a minute okay cool well i've been doing fun things i hope so i i've been to america and am in america which is fun uh, I went to my first ever baseball game to watch the Red Sox beat the Houston Astros. Is that right? Yeah, the Houston Astros. Okay, ten uh, seven. Houston being like the NASA thingy. I can only assume so. Uh, and it was really good. Like I have almost zero previous exposure to baseball in almost any form, other than playing rounders once a year. Um, <laughs> And it was, it's generally really good fun. I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, baseball. Who knew? Okay, have Quite you good. watched cricket in the UK? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, it was an interesting comparison because part of the fun of it was sitting in the audience and trying that, that fun game you play where you try and figure out the rules of the game just by watching it. <laughs> yes. Um, which obviously, knowing the rules of rounders, you have like a certain amount of the basics down, but then it's like all the technical details that need... Uh, well, the, figuring. I think the big difference was... that I've, because I haven't played baseball, but I have played softball, is mm. that you have the like the legal V that you have to be in, and yeah, that's, that's what makes me good at rounders. Is that there's no V, ah. 
and thus, like, wild, spurious shots go completely where no fielder is expecting them, and then I can kind of hobble around quite quickly. <laughs> like, rounders was a sport I was actually quite decent at because of that. And then you're, like, softballing, and you're just, like, foul after foul after foul. You're just like, wow, this is really difficult. Yeah. No, it was interesting. And uh, I found it an interesting comparison to cricket in a number of regards. For example, cricket is obviously a much more high-scoring game than baseball. Yeah. And basically that is as a result of the fact that in cricket, the ball is hit a great deal more. Yes. Like the, the, it's a game where they actually, baseball is a game where you, they keep track of the number of times that the ball is hit, uh, which gives you some indication of how much of an event that is when it happens. Yeah. Which may, is interesting if you're going in expecting a game where people hit the ball a lot, which I sort of was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and but then again, you know, in cricket, you you pl- you go through the batting order, and when you're out, you're out. Whereas in baseball, you're out, but you come back in again. Uh, it just kind of cycles round and round until the ninth inning and all that kind of thing. So yeah, it was cool. It was interesting, and it was great seeing Red Sox play in Fenway Park. And, yeah, I mean uh, that's an experience in and of itself, isn't it? A grand experience to be sure. Uh, yeah, so that was that. As I said, I've been playing with laser tag guns this morning, uh, which is as good as you'd imagine it to be. Uh, and I, oh yeah, of course. So it was also uh, my girlfriend's birthday recently, and uh, we did we did fun birthday things. Uh, I, I bought her breakfast in bed wearing a bow tie, and that I was wearing a bow tie. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, I got that. Um... And then we had like mojitos and mexican food are hers in the evening oh right and in the evening i was like you know yeah. you ran for breakfast with <laughs> mojitos that's quite the day absolutely uh and went for a nice little jaunt around richmond deer park and met some deer which was cool did you spot the celebrity art. dog i did not spot the celebrity i dog. assume that the, he's just like now an attraction in richmond park <laughs> <laughs> well you, yeah it's like a, a sort of vending machine you like you put a you put a pound coin in and press a button and it releases benton is it benton <laughs> or fenton i can't remember i think it's fenton uh i was just now thinking there's also of course the little chapel of jesus christ fenton <laughs> uh yeah so that's uh kind of the sum total of things i mean lots of things particularly at the x-wing uh, third faction release but uh and the fact that currently amazon.com has a deal on the most expensive x-wing ship so it's like 75 percent off but you know i i'm working to prevent those from occupying the majority of my brain this okay week. so you're not going to be like bringing home like three rebel blockade runners <laughs> no i'm bringing home some warhammer but that's uh that that's the sum total wait hasn't that got to be like shipped from the uk to where you are well, it's 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 an interesting thing. I, I it was an eBay thing, and uh, I suspect that it may have been a recast. But if it is, it's a very good recast, so I'm kind of okay with it. Okay, I will accept that. I don't feel like I have been that that nerdy really at the moment. No. Well, I'm, I'm you know I don't I'm, have much opportunity to to be honest. You know, other than listening to kind of lots of podcasts, which kind of counts as yeah. nerdy, but it's not. Like it's quite a passive activity. Oh, I've been playing. I guess I've been playing more Star Wars video games. But yeah, I've like, been playing Dark Forces, right? Yeah, I'm up to Jedi Outcast. Like, cool. Jedi Outcast have is it... pretty unfun until you get the Force and the lightsaber. Like those first five mm. levels are not enjoyable. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I should, uh, having bought myself an HWK uh, for X, the X-Wing miniatures game, which is Kyle Katarn's ship, the yeah. main character from the Dark Forces games, I have been meaning to go back and play Jedi Knight and Mysteries of the Sith. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I the was good. The last level is, like, okay, it's not as scary as when I was a kid, but it is baffling, like, very confusing what you have to do. Yeah. Huh. Well, that should be interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, I was actually pondering that uh, as a possibility of one of our ideas of things that we might do after our 100th episode, a, a short-lived Star Wars Expanded Universe kind of book club kind of podcast thing might be quite fun. I hadn't even thought of anything resembling that then. Like, you'd think I would be the one pushing for that. Well, I think, I, I feel like it's, you know, we need to play to our strengths. And one of your undeniable strengths is a Rain Man-like knowledge of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And I am really interested in it. It's just I don't know very much about it. So that seems like a right off the bat an interesting dynamic yeah to, uh, i mean you would have to probably read like books in a logical order whereas i would just be like we have to start with traitor even though it's like the 13th book in a series that needs a lot of context from the previous books let alone the books in that series but traitor oh it's my favorite um so <laughs> yeah so uh food for thought there yeah well yes i i i guess we should say like before we i guess wrap up recording and i put sure. some like chunks from the anthropomorphism stuff in and anything else that i can kind of scrape up um yeah that uh, yeah as we've alluded to obliquely uh we've done oblimin uh reference thus far but now we get to varimax <laughs> reference <laughs> wow. nope, doesn't make any sense um <laughs> like yeah the show the show is going on hiatus after episode 100 uh because Ben's psychological brain somewhat needs to focus. Oh, we did talk about the thesis already, didn't we? <laughs> I yeah, keep yeah, forgetting yeah. that that stuff is on the record. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it's it's becoming increasingly difficult for me to make time for the show, which is saddeningly greatly cause, greatly because I do enjoy it significantly more than the stuff that is making it difficult for me to commit time to the show. Um, I'm very much hoping that this is not by any stretch the end of Psychomedia. But it will be, yes, on a hiatus for a while until such time as I have cleared my thesis and worked out what I'm doing with my life and got things a little bit more secure. However, all is not lost if you are listening to Psychomedia for our dulcet tones and witty humour, all three of you. Um, <laughs> we are. Why did you have to like plan. psychology, guys? <laughs> you can love us as whole people. We're not just what we do, you know? Uh, yeah, so for, for those people who aren't here purely for the psychology and suffering through the rest of it, uh, we will be coming up with some kind of filler content. We're going to try some, hopefully going to try some sort of more short form ideas that we've had for other stuff to just kind of, that will require a little bit less in the way of preparation, basically on my part. Hence my suggestion that Tim tells me a bunch about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Okay, so Star Wars story time with Tim and Ben. Okay, so there we go, that's one thing. Um, another thing is that, uh, you know, with, with Ben's largesse, uh, that I might bring out a second series of Tim and Max, uh, but stick it on our podcast feed because it won't necessarily be all that geeky culture. 
Um, Absolutely. And um, I, I would have only one one proviso uh, that I am permitted to guest. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, the, I mean, the pitch for that show, we haven't quite hammered it out yet, uh, is, well, I want to call it uh, Tim and Max learnt everything they knew about life from popular culture, but may end up being called Tim and Ma- Tim and Max's life lessons. Um, <laughs> essentially, you know, talking about aspects of life like uh, relationships and growing up, self-development, spirituality, all sorts, because Max has got some interesting views on that as well, and how, like, actually, you know, um, for me, watching The Matrix and reading Philip Pullman contributed to my life philosophy and uh, watching lots of sitcoms affected the way I view relationships and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Oh. Uh, so that may well be something that happens. Uh, the Probably the most difficult thing that means that maybe we'll end up creating one episode was Ben's idea um, for a show about a year ago, possibly more, uh, called uh, Irrelevant Design. Um which, Ben, how would you pitch the show? I know how I would pitch it. <laughs> so the, the, <laughs> how I would pitch the show would be very much akin to what would go on on the show. This is why it's beautifully meta. The idea would be a sort of Dragon's Den style uh, idea pitching uh, scenario with guests for different topics for different weeks, with the idea being that whatever pitches are pitched will then be discarded out of hand at the end of the show. Yes. So it's completely irrelevant and pointless pitching for things like ideas we had would be a new superhero for to add to the Marvel Marvel slash DC stable uh, pitches for a post apocalyptic setting for a novel or something like that. A New York sitcom to replace Friends and then How I Met Your Mother. So yeah. essentially, yeah, it's a very tropey kind of thing of you know, yeah, we pick a genre, we get guests from the people we know around the internet and in life. Uh, and we talk about like the fact is we've got too much creativity like that's the fact (laughs) pretty much everyone i know has too much creativity not enough like vast studio resources behind them to make it happen and so this show lets us indulge the fact that oh we'd really love to make a twee indie movie that would star zach braff um (laughs) so we live out that fantasy in podcast form being Um, eaten by locusts (laughs) just me But 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 the love of magic pixie dream girl Natalie Portman makes him better, right? She is a locust too. <laughs> That's the twist. <laughs> like yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got lots of exciting ideas, um, but uh, and we'll... only our own organisational incompetence standing between us and making the reality well yes yes scheduling with all of the potential podcasting contacts we have and so on and so forth and any other ideas that occur to us in the meantime uh Mm -hmm. also i just wanted to say i think what i plan to do is that i might write a blog on the feed as well that would essentially Mm. be what i would record if i was doing psychomedia for maybe one study every couple of weeks just so people have got something psychological to hang on to that's um, a very good idea. And if I can squeeze out some time for that, I will I will put some guest posts up on there too. Yeah. So, exciting moment. But what we're going to do next fortnight, uh, as we come up to our, our third anniversary, is the episode long-awaited, The Psychology of Psychology, the meta episode, the episode where we <laughs> dissect 
what we're doing the and why. section. <laughs> essentially when we cut this thing to pieces and leave it for a bit <laughs> and essentially render yeah. all the research in the previous 99 and all the other episodes uh, completely invalid by yeah. systematic biases but we really do yeah we the the purpose of this episode is to completely and comprehensively undermine everything that we have said in the previous 99 uh, sessions so, so yes um to end, basically to end to leave the universe where we started <laughs> how we found it so the Donnie Darko approach we've done our tangent universe and now we're coming back yeah exactly exactly so anyway uh, I will sign off now and go back to languishing in the bosom of uh, upstate New York and such and I will see you in a couple of weeks for our 100th centenary episode uh until then i will leave you in the semi-capable hands of tim who will provide you with some psychological offcuts yes and general trimmings from previous bits yes i will uh bye for now goodbye ben i say goodbye Goodbye, tim (laughs) definitely Um, not going to be talking to you in five seconds time not in the slightest Bye. bye Okay, so having looked at one chemical, personally, that affects emotions, I want to look at some other chemicals that affect emotions. So Benzafi et al. 2003 want to look at how sniffing sex steroids impact on mood. And why ever not? They were interested in their use as pheromones. Pheromones being chemicals that communicate signals between animals. I mean, in some contexts, phosphorus or those chemicals they use in fireworks to make them different colours convey some kind of message using chemicals. But what we really mean is the biological chemicals that are secreted, uh, very popular with ants, quite unsure about how they work in humans. And in fact, research up to that point on sex steroids as hormones had proven inconclusive and contradictory. The steroids had in some cases reduced neural activation and in other cases increased it or had decreased negative mood in some studies, but not in others. So the chemicals used were roughly a male derived one called AND, short for 4,16-androstadion-3 own, and a female derived one called EST, short for 1,35,10,16-estratetra-n3-ol. And... Catchy. Yeah, exactly. You can see why they use their short names. I actually have a colleague of mine whose first name is Sithandue. Uh, she abbreviates her name not as I would to Sith, but to Star, which I suppose is nicer. Yeah. It's very much that approach of Sithandue. That's a great name. Yeah. Um, some yeah, somewhere in southern Africa, I think, the origin. Okay. Um, Anyway, I say I use the word roughly to say these chemicals roughly A and D and EST or AND and EST, uh, as I might call them for my own ease, um, because apparently one is ease. That's uh, what is it? Uh, I don't even know what MDMA stands for. <laughs> that's how that's how like a straight edge I am. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they were synthesised slightly differently in the different experiments. Uh, which might explain the different results. And another possibility is, like Shakhtar and Singer found, context has an impact on the functioning of the chemicals. Because, you know, chemicals are really nuanced. They don't just give banquet responses. You stop being prejudiced and thinking all chemicals are the same and bad. So given chemical messages are related to specific contexts, like aggression and reproduction, they say if you're not in the context of fighting or freuding, then the chemicals might not affect you. 
you might guess where this is going. So they plan to measure the effects of and and est under induced mood, not using music or self-statements as we described in episode 5, but videotapes. So yeah, videotapes to inspire happy moods, fine. Sad moods, again, fine. And sexy moods, inevitable. <laughs> so they got 36 participants of each gender, uh, all hang students. On, hang on, just uh, preemptively getting the soundboard up. <laughs> Good, because otherwise I'd have to do this bit myself. <laughs> and it's sad when you have to do this bit yourself. I'm nothing if not your right hand man, Tim. <laughs> Uh, I suppose you had him one in two chance of getting that wrong. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, Tim's girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I could have been joking. Um, they got 36 participants of each gender. Shoulda, woulda. <laughs> All students, but for one, of mixed ethnic background. So all describe themselves as heterosexual. Also, given that it's known that women's olfactory ability, as well as being just better than men's, as described in episode 39, do women smell better? Yes. Also vary in their olfactory ability according to their menstrual cycle. So they tested women on the 14th day of their cycle to reduce this variance. And they used crystals of and and est and baking powder as a control. Now, I talked a little bit about the sympathetic nervous system earlier. I kind of lumped it under an adrenal response because I'm too lazy to explain. But basically, the sympathetic nervous system is one half of the autonomic nervous system. Uh, The clue in that kind of auto is it's the bit of your nervous system that works without you really having to think about it. So, oh man, I bet there's some neurophysiologist being like, ah, why does it hurt? I don't know. I'm detecting changes in my ANS. Uh, So signs that measure autonomic... (laughs) <laughs> signs that me- measure autonomic change are skin PNAS, conductance ANS yes, I, I got it I got it but I didn't want to kind of stay with it <laughs> uh, um, so yeah uh, your skin conductance how sweaty you are uh, ECG uh, pulse skin temperature and respiration and so they also assessed mood with a questionnaire with nine point scales for a variety of emotions also sniffing crystals really the best bit of university right so the bit that you've all been wondering about what experimental videos are confirmed to make people happy sad and sexually aroused Uh, sorry are you going to do that every time i say sexually aroused no because this could get tiresome and i say get this could continue to be tiresome (laughs) so happiness obviously the best bits of mr bean science uh, sadness, they used clips from The Champ, which is a Zeffirelli film about an Xboxer that, well, let's just say it ends extremely sadly. Having read the plot synopsis, I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Um, so apparently these two have been used in lots of emotion research. Now, I don't know about you. Have you seen the Mr. Bean Christmas and New Year special? Uh, bits of. Have you seen the bit where it's incredibly sad and he has a girlfriend and it's just like heartbreaking? Uh not to my memory. Apparently not. I will up. see if I can find the clip. Yeah, she thinks she is getting a ring for Christmas. Oh, has not yeah. got her a ring. It's just like, <laughs> wow, this is dark. <laughs> Presumably they didn't show that bit. Uh, no, they didn't. Just like well, they I... didn't show the really funny bits in the porn. <laughs> it's not pornography. We'll get to that. Uh, so, yes, sex presents a problem. 
true in life, but true also <laughs> in research. Because yeah. yeah. here's the thing. Men and women experience different sexual reactions to visual stimulation. So how can you get a fair test? Well, you can pre-test films on a mixed group until you find one that turns <clears> them on an equal amount. And if that doesn't sound like an RA job you'd apply for, I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> the answer is nine and a half weeks with Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. I mean, that's the film starring them, not nine and a half weeks spent with Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. The latter is pretty boring and unsexy. The former is a sort of melodramatic, sexually explicit film with increasingly extreme acts between the two as their purely sexual relationship gets more and more complicated and uh, one that kind of manages to point out that some of these fetishistic things might be exploitative in a power relationship, not mentioning any names, Eel James, premier author of fish fetish fiction. I'm really happy with that. I think I've read it on Twitter, you know, because you just say E.L. It's just like, oh, right, is she an eel? <laughs> She's more slimy than an eel. Um, I watched the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer today. Me too. How rubbish does it look? It does look pretty rubbish. Like, it's, even based on my feelings really, towards the book, it's, like, dangerously misogynist. He was supposed to be... Chiseled. I thought he was supposed to look, like, powerful and... It's kind of sophisticated. Lumpy. Yeah, like, and I just, love that we have this same reaction of just like, Christian Grey is not played by an attractive enough actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I haven't read the rubbish. book, so, you know. I, as, 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 as I point out, whenever anyone asks me, it's like, I, I, I've actually read a chapter by chapter synopsis on a feminist blog, actually. <laughs> that is the only responsible way to read it, to uh, <laughs> become familiar with with the content of Fifty Shades of Grey. But, 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 but we're going on a group trip to see it on Valentine's Day, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> so Valentine's first Day, day Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not investigate <laughs> anyway. So, uh, we found the official visual material equally arousing to men and women nine and a half weeks, proven by science. So... <laughs> Uh, they used a room especially designed to present, prevent non-experimental smells from getting in. That's a Did really I... specific room to build a lab. Like, seriously, yeah. they have a smell room. They have, like, a smell-proof it's, room. It's like a Dexter's kill room, but for <laughs> science. Um, <laughs> did they... I, I just wanted to ask, did they test the humour and sadness ratings of the other two films split by Ginger? I think they accepted that they'd been previously pre-tested and shown to work in previous experiments. And not to show gender bias. I assume so. Okay. Oh, I fair enough. Was thinking probably... There might be a theory about, for example, a film about a boxer and a film about slapstick might have gender implications. Who, who even knows? Exactly. I, they didn't say that they pre-tested them as far as I recall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. So you've got this smell-free room. Wouldn't it be terrible if an experimenter accidentally left roses in there on Valentine's Day or something? You know, would you just have to start again? It's like, oh well, the smell of this room smells beautifully of flowers. Now set it on fire. Was I it Jeff? Damn it, Jeff! Stop being <laughs> cliched romantic. It's because he's a paramecium. <laughs> I was going to say this is the thing. I was like, I'm so glad we both picked the name Jeff for our random name. Of the I week. spent, but I but it wasn't even the like the subconscious. Like I spent a long time deliberating. Um, I was I was wondering if the if the if the smellless room is a bit like that soundless room that they have at some university in America where you go in it and in the experience of being so completely um, muffled is is so intense 
because you can hear your own heartbeat and your own organs working and most people can't stand it for more than a couple of minutes yeah that scares me that does i wonder if it's like that but with smell like you're in a totally smell free room and all you can smell is yourself (laughs) you you immediately bath i was gonna say it's in space no one can smell you smell i'm so sorry (laughs) no in in space no one can smell you smell (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay right so they ensured the consistency of gender in experimenters a same sex one always did certain bits and an opposite sex one other bits the opposite sex one actually given the participants were all heterosexual the one they'd kind of be into if they were kind of into any of them just brought them the thing to smell, like a glamorous assistant. So they then got them set up at a computer, they answered a mood questionnaire, attached all the autonomic monitoring stuff, autonomic, um, which they got a baseline from whilst showing a video of an ocean, which obviously does not trigger your autonomic system. I say obviously, I suppose the ocean is only calming if it's presented when it's calm. If you show someone, especially a surfer or a fisherman, a video of an ocean storm, I'm guessing they're gonna react emotionally. So they then had participants smell the compounds and rate them on intensity, pleasantness and familiarity, like your crazy aunt. Again, they watched another non-arousing video, in this case nature. Again, like selected crazy aunt. <laughs> One hopes. Um, they then smelt the compound again and watched the three emotional videos, happy, sad and erotic in a random order. Much like time in the boudoir. Uh, each time they did mood scales <laughs> also technically it wasn't in a random order technically it was in a counterbalanced order using I, a latin square I, I always progress from happy to sad to erotic in precisely that order <laughs> really I, i'm usually kind of erotic happy erotic sad sad <laughs> sad 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 i didn't sad, want to carry sad, out on too far because it was just a joke <laughs> And I sad, don't want my jokes to be too depressing. Sad now. <laughs> AKA the single life. Yeah. <laughs> finally a burn I can lay down on some people. <laughs> this episode is only funny to us. Ah. Oh. So they did lots and lots of mood scales throughout. They also tested people's memories for the content of the film after they'd watched them. So results men found that the compounds smelt more pleasant than women that is that than women found the compound smelt not that they like oh this compound smells better than any woman i've ever smelt uh but there were no effects of the compounds themselves which could then influence the later ratings do men just find any smells more pleasant does this explain the whole deal with men and gross smells it's just like men prefer anything that smells (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's yeah. They're just they're just unselective. It could be. Yeah. Um, so before they watched any videos, when they were just doing the smelling, those exposed to and showed a greater increase in pulse, both men and women, compared to est or control. Men in general also increased in pulse, but only the latter really is important. Um, is that no? Though the former is the only real important bit. Maybe we'd expect male, and I'm using inverted commas hormones to increase pulse given the sort of systems they're normally involved in aggression and sex actually yeah quick primer things like testosterone and estrogen everyone has them it's just men have more testosterone and women have more estrogen and kind of androgens and i don't know what the female ones are called they're not called gynogens for some reason um <laughs> ladygens i mean there will it's to do with the fact that women are the baseline 
and then yeah. androgens make men from women because you have testosterone in the womb. But anyway, that's confusing and, in other words, boring uh, biological <laughs> stuff. The point is, they do exist in both ones, but the one is more male. like more. So I'm going to just call it male from now on, but there are inverted commas every time. So yeah, the high-energy stuff in aggression. So Actually, I was interested. Has anyone studied the testosterone levels in hate sex? I imagine not. Hang on. <laughs> to Google Scholar! I would be amazed right. if any article contains the word hate sex, given it's kind of a neologism. And also, probably, does anyone actually have that relationship in real life? Hate sex. This is only going to end darkly. If I've learned anything from Google <sighs> Scholaring things sight unseen, it always ends badly. Mm. Why most brackets, but not all, churches hate sex? Interesting. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> some, some light reading. So yeah, in the non-arousing context, so that's like the ocean bit, there were no impact of the compounds on mood and there were no autonomic changes. So in the next set of smelling, just before the videos, both the actual compounds, both yeah, both the AND and the EST were rated as more intense than the control. Again, not sure if that will have any impact. And again, AND increased pulse. So they then checked that the videos inspired the appropriate mood. The happy film made people significantly happier, the sad film, people uh, significantly sadder, and the erotic film significantly more sexually aroused, except for one guy with the dead box of kink and the one girl with the thing for Mr. Bean. In the happy film, exposure to the chemicals or the control had no effect on mood. Turns out Mr. Bean more powerful than chemicals. In the sad film, exposure to and made women happier and men sadder. And in the erotic film, and and est made both sexes significantly more sexually aroused. So there were no effects on the autonomic system in either the happy film or the sad film. In the erotic film, and increased skin temperature compared to the control, also reduced breathing rates in men in the erotic film. So and specifically impaired memory for events in the sad film. Uh, you know, just a typical male sex steroid never listens, never pays you attention. So... These human sex steroids that are used as pheromones do have the ability to manipulate mood, but only in specific emotional contexts. Sometimes they work differently for the different sexes. And furthermore, given we know that smell has a strong connection to memory, see episode 62, I think, uh, in search of lost tin. Um, <laughs> should it surprise that smelt chemicals can impair emotional memory of certain sorts? Possibly, though, they say it could be to do with mood congruence. Now, given that and made women happy in the sad film, it could would impair their memory for sad events. Now, the ANOVA didn't show this interaction, but post-hoc testing showed that women were significantly impaired in memory due to and in the sad film compared to men. And that's why mixed education is bad for women. All of the and in the sweat of teenage boys. Skin wow. temperature is known to increase with sexual arousal, so it's not really a surprising result. Hence all the embodied cognition stuff about, ooh, getting hot, that kind of stuff. So, why did the male steroid have an effect, but not the female one? It turns out that est isn't found in sweat, so it may not be used as a pheromone, whereas and is very common in sweat. Actually, in fact, they say, somewhat undermining any psychological research into it, that est is only secreted from humans in urine from third trimester pregnant women. And let me assure you, <laughs> that particular fetish, very rare. Of course, in that case, why do men sniffing est, or indeed women sniffing it, increase in sexual arousal in the erotic context? Mysterious. And they don't explain it. 
Uh, pheromones are not still not strongly supported in changing mood in humans, so don't fear evil mood control mist, unless it's for synchronizing menstrual cycles, which is the only thing that's strongly supported by evidence. But Ben Safia L have certainly found evidence that and, uh, which is related, it's kind of derived from testosterone, is involved in chemical communication in humans. What they don't give is the theoretical reasons why and makes women happier in sad contexts and men sadder. I mean, is the effect related to sexual orientation? You know, like, if you're a woman, your boyfriend will make you happier, whereas, like, your bro friends, you know, they'll share emotions? Or is it just, like, when you're sad, the last thing as a guy you want to be smelling is another guy? Like, send them in, because I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery and they don't explain it. Yeah. So, yeah, man-sweat-derived artificial chemicals can affect your mood, but only if you're already in a mood. Cool. Excellent. Study achieved. examples some of which tim has already given we talk to pets kind of like how we talk to human babies that baby speak is probably an evolutionary adaptation designed to aid language learning it ain't gonna help your dog but you do it anyway uh, another example being apologizing to furniture uh, as we mentioned previously uh, the furniture is unlikely to be offended at least using currently available measurement methods but people apparently do it anyway I myself uh, used to threaten Lego bricks. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was an only child and played uh, with Lego a lot in my own in my living room, which can be used to explain a great deal about me. Um, and when I couldn't find a particular Lego brick that I wanted, I would threaten the Lego brick that if it didn't reveal itself to me, I would uh, throw it in the bin. Now, this is quite a complex theory wow. of mind here because I was attributing enough intelligence to the lego brick to respond to the threat of its destruction but i was inferring that a lego brick probably wouldn't be smart enough to realize that if i didn't find it it wouldn't get put in the bin <laughs> and i remember very distinctly going through this thought process in my mind and hoping that i had accurately estimated the intelligence of the lego brick how old were you uh, anywhere between like six and twelve probably very interesting. I don't recall doing anything like that. Yeah. So, but you know, so there's a there's a, a case of weird anthropomorphism. It well, didn't help. It's just something I've realised. Imaginative play, right? Mm. Like I, I I was talking this week about like teddy bears. You know, it's imaginative play. You're anthropomorphising them because it would be really boring to not. Yeah. <laughs> quite. Quite. Anyway, the the point of this is that the anthropomorphism doesn't provide any kind of selective benefit like i don't find lego bricks faster if i threaten them but i do it anyway i kind of go back to what we were saying before about maybe it's maladaptive yeah. um so these examples are pretty harmless probably because there's not much danger in treating dogs furniture and lego like they have human feelings but well yeah i didn't want to say <laughs> it's okay because anyone who is unduly killed by this kind of <laughs> because that's not true sexists are people too yes yes but there is a sort of darwinistic your sexism yes. is making you more susceptible to death by that, hurricane like, selective pressure is strong enough to actually lead to like an advance in gender equality i don't, I don't think know. you can rely on hurricanes i think education <laughs> might be more effective yeah it's a shame if only we but, could rely you know, on hurricanes to provide us with gender equality. I mean, Andrea Dworkin 
if you want to work on a weather machine, <laughs> go ahead. But the rest of us less extreme people might 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 focus on the just like improving things. What do you Absolutely. want to do? Absolutely. Oh no, I don't have anything left. I I, I oh, fired. Okay. I fired with my one giant single barrel. That doesn't okay. sound good. I was gonna say you shot your load, but <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, it didn't didn't really end well for either of us, did it? Okay, well, it's not gonna Much get any like better that time. Uh, so, uh, in the interest of things not improving, um, <laughs> I guess so, it means someone who would like. Where would you classify Kinsey one? Uh, you know, it's not heterosexual, but it doesn't really feel that bisexual. I tend to class it closer to hetero than bi, but other people would disagree. Uh, anyway, that's the sort of problem you have if you even try and do that classification, let alone all the people who said something else that doesn't yeah. fit. And there's a, you know, there's a particular problem here. So, um, and it, do they give examples, even though they've excluded them? Yeah, they do. So, uh, let's see. Um, um, I just got to find the sexuality questions. Um, uh, so examples were things like pansexual, omnisexual, bicurious, oh, normal. I was going to say, I would categorize some of those. Yeah, uh, any slash all and white. Um, oh, what? That's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, see, some of those. Like, I may be a furry. But I still don't believe in the but mixing of human races. races. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it was a joke answer. Who knows? Anyway. Um, Yet, I yeah. suppose. I think this the thing that I was... I guess I've seen this a lot more from, like, internet culture, looking at more the other kin stuff than the furry stuff. Yeah. And that, I, which I think it really is, this article focusing in on, the identity yeah. stuff. And a lot of the criticism is that other kin... Or people who identify as other kin, and you use the phrase self-identify, which is a really big phrase used kind of in identity stuff. Yeah. Is they adopt the language of people with gender identity other than, you know, kind of, yeah. of other than cisgendered. Mm -hmm. And they aren't really like suffering the same problems. Like they have ended up in an elaborate kind of fantasy world or their dysphoria with themselves is like a version more of depression or something than an identity problem. Okay. And so it's kind of a critique from people who are, you know, trans or have experienced gender identity issues that are like, no, you don't just get to use all our words because you want to be a fox. Come on. Right. I see. So it's sort of, and the other yeah. people are like, Oh, actually what if this is a big thing? And actually in, you know, 30 years time, you're going to go, what they discriminated against other kin. They wouldn't let people have their treatments. They wouldn't let them have their fursuits. How could they? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, interesting discourse. Like, yeah, that it's it as with all of these things, it's always a tension between like the logical approach to it, the kind of un unbiased objective approach, which would be you know, okay, taking it, you know, they say that they truly identify as non-human, they then that's great, then do, you know, do what you need to do to feel comfortable with that, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're if you're the practical argument that people with transgender issues are or gonna are ha 
experiencing a more distressing, more, you know, um, unpleasant time of it with their identity than people who just want to be a fox, then, yeah, there, there, there may very well be some truth to that. And certainly there is, there are probably more parents out there terrified that their children will grow up to want to be to be transgender than there are parents who are terrified that their children will grow up to be furries that's probably just because they're not aware of furries and if they furries were more prevalent within wider culture then those same parents would probably be terrified of that as well mm. but yeah anyway that 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 o2 advertising campaign will be much better if it's not be more dog be more dragon dragon hoard gold <laughs> destroy things with fire <laughs> oh wait that's just like looting isn't it that's be more dragon <laughs> uh, become the dragon yeah be so the that... dragon you want to see in the world yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm the dragon gotham needs not the gra- dragon gotham wants because, like, yeah, to most people, furries, it's just a silly thing. And I think to a lot of furries, it is kind of part of the appeal is the, uh, uh, what would the word be? Um, like the Outsider ridic- status? Partly that and partly the absurdity. Okay, yeah. Um, but that, you know, that doesn't mean that we should treat the prejudice towards it any, any less seriously uh even if a lot of the time i feel like that prejudice is probably kind of like semi-ironic um you know so i've got a picture that's going to go in the show notes of a guy um who uh let me just find it it's it's a guy like holding a placard uh which says yif in hell fur fags Okay, yeah, I was expecting something on that. What that's really about is about the Westboro Baptist Church, isn't it? Well, maybe. Uh, who knows? In that particular context, I guess it kind of is. I feel um, like someone who uses the word yif isn't yeah. someone who's a hater. Um, may not be a hater, may very well be a troll. And <laughs> doesn't make it any less unpleasant necessarily for the people I suppose not. it. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tricky one. As like we're, we're we're talking on the like the bleeding edge of identity and group structure here that possibly in the backwaters of the internet like this is super untested ground so in terms of social psychology and it's it's really interesting to see someone trying to get but, a handle you know, on this but stuff. But you know what the next one is after that, right? Is the like Therians, um, people who identify with non-human, non-agentic things, people who feel like they have a star identity. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, okay, right. I think that's Therians. Or Therians are ones who have fantasy, and then there's another one that is like alterkin or something that is... I don't know all the terms, but there are like levels beyond other yeah. kin furries. Just like, okay, either this is a real thing and people's identity is getting weird, or the internet has created a lot of very shallow like echo chamber pools. Yeah. And how do you tease that apart? And how yeah. do you like have and that dichotomy without having an obvious prejudice? Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a really interesting avenue for social psychological study. Yeah, uh, very cool. 
right. can't believe we did all of that without me uh, doing. Um, I've got a bad feeling time. about this. Oh, I see. Yeah, maybe you should just put that at the very start of the episode. <laughs> maybe I will. Just get the clip from the the outside of the. Uh, like one of the earlier clips, the less problematic ones, just introducing the idea of like, and then just a bad feeling about this, and then <laughs> then play the music. Okay, yeah, that is what I will do. Um, that was good. I think we can keep that. Will yeah. that do? Yeah, just <laughs> that'll do. Pig. That'll do. I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess without the context of the study. It makes, yeah. you know, I mean, it, will, it won't make much more sense. Our, sometimes our outros do broadly stand alone. <laughs> the Poirot one, one, I think, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, that was less standalone and more, uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel that was footloose and fancy free. Ooh, footloose, but turn you something, other words. Yeah, that's a good song. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I was, I was, as we said very many times during the playthrough of the Firefly board game last week, solid. <laughs> okay.